I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Poke the Bear episode 146. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It is, uh, well, it's weird without hockey, at least with the Bruins, without Bruins. It's a little odd this time of year, but I won't keep putting salt in that wound because I'm sure this conversation will do enough of that uh, as is. Uh, on Tuesday... There was the end-of-season press conference, Charlie Jacobs, Jim Montgomery, Cam Neely, Don Sweeney uh, met and discussed everything, lots of different things. So we're going to sit here and do some of our, uh, the big stuff, the real, the the, the meat of what was said, the things that are going to have lasting implications throughout the offseason, which I feel like for the past couple offseasons, we've said, well, this is shaping up to be an interesting offseason. But it has this every offseason. I feel like, like I went back and I'm thinking, you know, retool instead of a rebuild. Bergeron, is he coming back or not? I'm like, this is freaking Groundhog Day all over again. It's the same stuff over and over. Um, we'll start with uh, Montgomery admitting some mistakes. Uh, Montgomery admitted some pretty big mistakes throughout the series. Uh, felt that he should have put um, uh, a def- you know, a, like you know, a defensive shutdown pairing to go against the Bennett line. Um, jumbling his forward lines, the goaltending situation. How much of this, like, can he really learn from this? Yeah, I I mean, I think you can in terms of just like the chess game that I think plays out over a seven-game series and, um, you know, being the guy to make those calls. I think obviously the one that stands out is the goaltending situation, which he, again, kind of, you know, put his hand up and, and took on the blame for that in terms of not going to, Swayman in game five, six, wherever you want to view it, um, kind of clarified again. I think well, he drew a lot of uh, criticism after game seven for kind of more or less deferring to goalie Bob in terms of the, the decision of when to put Jeremy Swayman in. Kind of was like, you know, I trust, you know, goalie Bob heavily. He's factors in a great deal, but he's still the head coach. He makes the final call. So um, get to, you know, not have it kind of just fall on Bob Sens' shoulders in terms of being the guy that, pushes the bob there yeah exactly um so yeah i I think you can learn from it i I think the the biggest thing for maybe to gain from it is when you're in the playoffs is even though i know everyone says it's a whole new season the game changes a lot more physical a lot more north south a lot more you know chances generated on the four check not as much rush chances what have you 
But I feel like for the Bruins, it's also like when you had a team like that, it's also not straying away from the formula. I think it's probably the biggest thing you can probably take away from just how they approach things, right? Like whether it's getting Bergeron back and switching up the lines when going away from Martian Bergeron to Brusco, great all year long, whether it's uh, breaking up Grizzly and McAvoy. And you can, again, look at Grizzly's faults in terms of what he, you know, has done in previous years in the playoffs, but you staple him next to McAvoy. Uh, he becomes very effective and Charlie McAvoy also looks very good. So, you know, switching up those, those deep pairs and overthinking things when, I really don't think Grizzly should have been the odd man out going into game six. And we saw what happened. Um, and then again, just the, the goaltending situation, we've both touched on it before about, yes, maybe it's unconventional about, you know, rolling out that goalie rotation in a playoff series. And, you know, maybe the, the drama or the, the odd kind of uh, situation you could have, if like one guy stumbles, you keep the goaltending situation in place. You figure that out as you go along, you don't, do a do away with it and just stick with Allmark until shit hits the fan, right? The wheels like, fall off. Yeah, then you're in a whole different situation, a lot more dire situation. I think if you're a coach, um, you know, dealing with these two goaltenders who two seasons now have both, you know, had a great chemistry, great uh, camaraderie together, you figure out those situations uh, as they go on in terms of maybe who gets an extra start here and there. You don't have it be the other situation around where all of a sudden you have to roll and swing in for a do or die game seven with all the pressure now on your shoulders and on the shoulders of your 24 year old goaltender. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. There's obviously a whole bunch of X's and O's different things that, you know, Montgomery mentioned that he could do differently, but I think it's not, you know, overthinking, not uh, panicking, not doing away from the formula that got you there. Because again, this team like wasn't a fluke that they won 65, uh, 65 games. You can maybe call them a paper tiger in terms of them folding when you get to the playoffs, but this wasn't, multiple games where they had a negative goal differential and they keep on gutting out wins. Like they had a set formula as to why they were so dominant in the regular season. And they kind of just did away with so many different parts of that. Once you get to the playoffs. Yeah. I just, I, I go back to like, you know, Montgomery saying you need to put together a shutdown defensive pairing. I go back to the jumbling up of the lines and even the goaltending tandem, which again, we've said it's unconventional for the playoffs. This is an unconventional team. And I just like, you have, seven full games to make those adjustments or to, you know, you have a staff and the the fact that, you know, you even look at like shutting down the Bennett line, like that's been, that was a big thing. And I'm not, I don't want to compare Cassidy to Montgomery, but a big thing was, and Cassidy was pretty good at this was shutting down opposing teams and certain lines and, you know, line matchups and all that. There were line matchups in this series, but the fact that there wasn't, and granted the Bruins defensemen were not great in the series. I mean, like that's another thing. Like they were not great, but the fact there was really no effort to put together a shutdown pairing to go with that Bennett line. I, I don't understand that. And it hits even, you know, you can, you can blame the defensive coach, John Gruden. Um, there are things you can blame, but it, you know, the buck stops with Montgomery. And I just think, you know, his, you know, obviously he was heavily outcoached, but just the failure to make those moves again, this isn't one game. This isn't like this was game seven Stanley cup. This was an entire series. And I just go back to the whole, you know, jumbling up the lines uh, prior to game, uh, after game two, jumbling up the lines again before game five, and then having it result in a goal against. Like, I just, uh, you know, obviously, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, as is with the goaltending tandem stuff. But I just, and again, we, you know, we'll get into the goaltending situation this offseason. We did a little bit on Bruins beat on, on Tuesday. 
But like, I mean, will they even have a chance to use the goalie tandem again, like going forward? That's a whole nother thing. Um, on Montgomery still um, made some comments about Bergeron in game five, how Montgomery called him and said, you know, you know, you're basically good to go. And Bergeron said, Monty, I'm playing game five. Obviously, it's Patrice Bergeron. You know, you you it's hard to say no to him. But Montgomery's the head coach. And that that decision also kind of looms large over over this series. Yeah, no, it, it, it's again, it's a tough call when you have a guy with Bergeron's resume and his pedigree and him feeling he's good to go. Like it makes sense that you're going to defer to a guy like that who has that much sway in the room. But I, I think you look at, you know, in terms of staying the course. And again, I think for the playoffs, especially it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like you have multiple times where you can look at a few of these other playoff series from other teams where they're, you know, relying on a guy like Schmidt in, uh, the, you know, the Devils in that first round. It's all about kind of changing your game plan, adjusting on the fly, depending on who your opponent is. So you usually could have made the case that the Bruins, you know, could have just stayed the course and rolled out the same lineup they had in games three and four down in Florida, right? And you were doing pretty well with Zaka and Coyle, that one-two punch, and uh, just how, you know, I think composed and, and structured that that game plan was for the Bruins. Again, when you know, you know, medical staff says, yeah, he's probably good to go. And you have guys like Bergeron and Krejci ready to roll. It's tough to say no, obviously. But um, I think that is something, though, that does loom large in terms of, uh, you know, making the right call there. Because, again, Bergeron's a great player. He had a great season for a guy his age. He's probably going to win the Selkie. But Philly was not right in that series. Now, would another couple of days of rest going into round two against Toronto change anything? Remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, again... It's one of those shoulda, coulda, woulda situations, but to not, you know, maybe stay the course with what, you know, the probably your two best games the entire series were games three and four without those guys in the lineup. Um, that is a pretty big second guess. And it's again, not to say that the team is better on like next year, Bergeron and Krejci aren't back. Like just roll that lineup. You'll be good to go. But uh, again, uh, that is one that is a tough look in terms of making the right call there. Cause clearly it did not go in the Bruins favor. But it's also a bigger indictment on, and again, I, I completely get Bergeron is your captain. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, like the whole thing there. I mean, we like we Bergeron's amazing. We're not saying he's not, but Montgomery's the head coach. Like at some point, and it's tough. Again, he's a first year head coach with this team. Like it's hard to tell Bergeron, like, nah, sorry, bud. Not playing in game five. I know you're good to go. But at the same time, Throughout the whole season, it's almost felt like there are times that, you know, I know Montgomery's a player's coach and he has that soft touch, but at some point you do, as the head coach, you do have to kind of step up and say, I don't feel this is the best for the team. Now, again, there was no indication from Montgomery that he thought that, but in hindsight, again, Bergeron did not look himself in games five, six, and seven. So again, I mean, is it, you know, should he have said no to Bergeron? I probably, I don't I mean, it, it's hard to say no to Bergeron on that stuff, but you're also the head coach. You're also the head coach, and that matters in that situation. And I think a lesson for Montgomery in this thing is, you know, yeah, I mean, he was a player's coach all season, but I think, the again, the pendulum swings. With Cassidy, it was, you know, non-player's coach. Montgomery, very player's coach. You have to find that middle ground, it feels like, with Montgomery, kind of the, between Montgomery and Cassidy. In Montgomery, I'm not saying they need to find a new coach. I'm just saying with Montgomery, obviously. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Before we get on with the conversation about the Bruins, I just, uh, the Bedard stuff, Connor Bedard going to Chicago, um, not to Philadelphia where we wanted him to go. Uh, instead, he goes to Chicago. I don't know if I love seeing that franchise rewarded, especially after all the stuff that happened this year, um, which is, you know, awful. And yeah. then you have, you know, on the ice, Patrick Kane just left and it's like, oh, here's Patrick Kane's replacement. Here you go. Um, again, I don't believe the thing was rigged, but it's just it, like, it, uh, don't love seeing is, that place rewarded. It is frustrating also because I feel like if you're a team that's that much of, you know, run by dipshit management of like knowing there's times before where you clearly should have blown it up and you're like, no, we're going to, we're going to keep on trudging ahead. We'll be fine. Like them getting like Seth Jones and like trying to rebuild around. It's like Vancouver, right? Vancouver deserves to be like bad for another like five, 10 years off of not just hitting the eject button and blowing it up years back. Like there needs to be a certain amount of penance. I think for those teams that are that, um, you know, short-sighted to not think that there's bigger issues afoot. Um, so that, that's things that the one year where it finally, I don't think it even was part of their plan. I think it just finally completely unraveled with their really shitty roster that they built that they get rewarded for it. But alas, alas, alas Evan, alas, you think that ever happens with the Bruins? I, I cause I'll be honest. I'll give this is where you got to give Sweeney some credit. They've retooled. Well, and we'll get to this. We'll might as well just segue right into it now. Like, Don Sweeney spoke on Tuesday saying that roster changes are coming. Um, mentioned that, you know, maybe uh, it'd be nice to, you know, the, the cap situation is not great. It'd be nice to maybe re-sign one of the three UFAs you got at the deadline. But, you know, who knows? Um, but it's not going to be a rebuild. And we got this last year from them. They're, it's not a rebuild. Um, but they have done a nice job of retooling over the years. I mean, you look at those years, uh, you know, 14 through 17, where they were kind of middling, middling team where it was like, eh, maybe they might have to blow this whole thing up. But you got Pasternak, you know, 25th overall. You got McAvoy in the middle of the first round. Uh, Swayman was a huge get. Like there were there have been things there and, you know, players that have sort of bridged to the next group and they've done a good job of it. There are a lot of teams out there that are horrible at it. Um, uh, hopefully Keith Jones fixes things in, in, in Philadelphia. Um Keith Jones, Danny Briere, and John Tortorella. Uh, that is a recipe for success. Um, they see that's a team that needs like behind the gritty or something. Instead of behind the B, it's like behind the behind the the flyer or something. You know that he's they need a reality the camera. So like he's got like his big like fuzzy fingers like covering the camera. <laughs> <line. laughs> it's like fucking. Can you stop with that? You know, can you get your fingers off the camera? Um, but Sweeney though, uh, this team needing a retool not a rebuild roster changes coming. And we talked a little bit less on Bruins beat of maybe what the roster changes might be. I mean, did you get a sense that this is going to be a like big roster changes? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to, I think it's fairly obvious, right? That there needs to be roster moves just to get cap flexibility is how Don Sweeney worded it. So, I mean, there's going to be at least one or two of these moves where you're going to be like, okay, like I, I get it. I see why it's happening now. Again, it might fall on Sweeney to try to swing a, a hockey trade where he 
loops in two or three contracts to get one player back that can help you in a certain area. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time this offseason to go through potential hockey trade scenarios, but save it, save it. (laughs) Yes. Um, But even if that's not the case, you know, that that'd be probably the best case scenario, but otherwise you're probably looking at moving guys for draft capital, but most importantly for uh, just cap relief. Right. I, as much as I think people view it as a doom and gloom of, of this year and you think you're going to sell everyone just to recoup picks and, and tank, you kind of said it. The team is structured in a way that, yes, you won't be 65 wins, but when you look at the the structure in place of who you have under contract of 60 goal score and David Pasternak signed through 2031, you got a decor. Yes, they were not good in the playoffs, but a decor anchored by Lindholm and McAvoy signed through 2030. Pretty good framework of a decoy right there. And that's not even including Carlo, who I think... You don't want uh, to trade McAvoy? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> even Carlo, I know he gets maligned a lot. I thought he was money for most of the playoffs and for most of the year, especially next to Lindholm. Um, I think he's a guy, and even Sweeney mentioned him as one of their top three guys on defense. So I think you you stick with those three guys. Look at other guys signed. You got Zaka, Coyle, um, DeBrusque. I don't view those guys as maybe being the guys that get moved to this offseason. We'll see what DeBrusque is a pending free agent next year, but still a guy that was on pace for like 34 goals before he broke his leg. So, um, you know, you still have frameworks of of um, uh, a playoff contending team. Are they a cup contending team? Remains to be seen, but you can look at the way this team is structured in terms of, all right, you add in a youth movement further down the lineup. You have to make a tweak here and there in terms of addressing things. We have to figure out what the goalie situation is going to be. But whether it's you run it back with Omar and Swayman or if it's Swayman, who probably has more to give in terms of a very good young goalie and a guy like Brennan Bussey or you sign a veteran for, for cheap, like you still have the the framework in place. It's not like it's a situation where you're looking at you've got you're missing two guys in your top six or you've got multiple areas to to fill out like you're still going to be a team that gets 95 105 points and if there's one thing i think we've maybe learned from this playoff uh so far evan snip your ticket to the playoffs and see what happens right like uh, you know you just look at all these teams not just like florida but people thought that carolina was going to be cannon fodder uh going into this because they don't have max petcheretti and uh uh Svechnikov. and it's like all right well Jordan Martinuk, who had 31 points in the regular season, has nine points in his last four games. Like, it's even look at game three and four for the Bruins, right? Like, they played their best games without two of their top six centers. That's not to say that over 82 games you're going to be better or you're going to replicate that. But in the playoffs, it's all fucked up, Evan. It makes no (laughs) sense. Like, the logic, throw it out the door when you get to the playoffs. But if you're a team that's good enough to to punch your ticket there consistently – then you're putting yourself in a pretty good spot. I find that to be more sustainable when you have this this structure of this roster in place as opposed to blowing things up and, and rolling the dice and running the risk of being a team like the Red Wings. A lot of history run by pretty good management, still kind of waiting to break through. There's no guarantee. It's very few teams that become the Colorado Avalanche, who, again, generational players, still really sucked for quite some time. Yeah, and got lucky that you've got a generational player at number four overall. Like there's a lot there. The other thing is like, if you were to, because there are people who do want this team to fully rebuild, right? Okay. So let's say you lose Pasternak or McAvoy and or McAvoy, right? Let's just say you did. You would be hoping to draft the next version 
of David Pasternak and Charlie back. Like you have those guys here. You have the young goalie and Jeremy Swayman. Like you have the backbone. You now need to add the things onto it to make it a complete team. And yes, you were going to lose some of that depth this offseason, 100%. Taylor Hall might be a casualty of that. Unfortunately, Matt Grizzick might be a casualty of that. And one thing that caught my eye that Sweeney said on Tuesday, he kind of made, he was asked about if he was going to be able to re-sign any of the three UFAs he got at the deadline. And he basically said, you know, it made it sound like, you know, we're going to have to clear some cap and hopefully maybe we can resign one of the three making me think that sounds again, total speculation here. Taylor Hall gone, Tyler Bertuzzi in. That's what that kind of sounded like. At least that's the most, you know, off the top of the head um, idea. But again, the whole idea of rebuilding, you don't need to rebuild. Like you're fine. It's not like, again, as you said, the red wings of the early 2010s that were still hanging on to, you know, an old Zetterberg, an old Datsuk, like Johan Franz and those like, like you don't have that. You have younger pieces here. Um, and yeah, the one glaring thing is you do need a number one center. You have a number two center. Like you do have your number two center of the future in Pavel Zaka. So that is one area where you're okay. You just need the number one center, which again, kind of a big deal. <laughs> you do kind of need that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, interesting stuff. Uh, you, you did hit on this a little bit with um, just get into the playoffs and, see what happens um lessons learned we do this every year we haven't well 2019 the Bruins went deep but since then the Bruins Bruins have not been one of the teams that we've been learning lessons from um but you do have a lot of deep teams there I mean uh, Bruce Cassidy with his Vegas Golden Knights is still going strong um but lessons learned from teams still in the postseason I know you might say one team so I'm gonna say a different team I'll let you go first for lessons because I think you're gonna say a certain team We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to look at Carolina actually as being okay. Safe. I thought I thought you were going to say Dallas, but oh, I mean, that's go. the team that I think blueprint wise, like, still makes the most sense uh, in terms of uh, probably the, the the best way to sketch out how you want to carry through. And it's probably how the Bruins are probably looking at too of injecting young players, great goaltending, uh, a few veteran guys that put you over the top that can deliver. Like Dovelsky, be great if he wins a cup because that dude is a animal. Gamer. Yeah. Gamer. But I look at Carolina still being one that I think you look at for them. It's not necessarily the players in place, but the the style of play as to why they're still very effective. And you look at it, it's the same kind of reason why I think the Panthers are such a pain in the ass. It's forechecking intensity, a little bit of speed. And, you know, again, it's as much as I think you will, again, probably see the narrative mentioned if like, let's say Florida beats Toronto and goes deep gets to the cup who the hell knows let's say <laughs> yeah uh you'll probably look at guys like radko gudas and like mark Stahl and these guys like maybe we need those guys i still don't think you do i still don't think you need Radko no gudas, uh is at his best when he's sitting on players in the d zone like <laughs> I, you don't need that but killing austin matthews in the corner but, yes I, I think um you know having guys <laughs> like carolina has throughout their forward core just how uh you know effective they are at skating at forcing turnovers at at you know creating havoc on the four check you saw the same thing with if you ask one thing in terms of x's and o's as to why florida was such a pain in the ass for the bruins it was four checking i i think having you know guys across your lineup that can impact a game in that way and that's why i think you look at even like tampa during their their stretch yes they had a really uh uh pretty physical decor but you look at where they were making a lot of their impact up front it's like you need guys like Goudreau and Blake Coleman. And so you, it's not like these 
You don't need Nick Richie's anymore. You need these guys that are 5'11 to 6'1, but weigh 195, 205 and can throw their weight around. And those are the guys that I think make the biggest difference. So um, it's not to say that, you know, it all comes down to just simplifying and and what have you in terms of playoffs. But I think having a team that has that DNA or that identity is what seems to be the recurring thing. Even look at like the Kraken. Are they the, the most stacked team star-wise? But like when they're rolling in the offensive zone they're they're firing shots from everywhere they're causing turnovers they're winning pucks behind the net like they're not doing anything that's out of the norm in terms of how you're generating offense but it's working right everyone's kind of pulling on the rope in that regard it's the compete the high compete um i agree with you i think that's in even st louis back in 2019 like those teams made one cups off that stuff um i'll stick with florida uh and I'll, i'll go away from style uh the kachuk trade uh, that was a trade that was made, obviously, last offseason. We kind of, I think everyone was kind of like, huh, you know, yeah, Matthew Kachuk's a little bit of an upgrade over Huberto, but you lost a lot with Mackenzie Weger, and it showed throughout the regular season. They were not as good of a team. Um, Kachuk put up a great year, it was terrific, but again, defensively, you just lost a lot. And it's like, well, you upgraded, but did you upgrade your whole team? Um and it was kind of a risky deal. I mean, again, they knew Kachuk wanted to to be there. It kind of fell into their lap with Kachuk kind of being like, I don't really want to be in Calgary anymore. Um, but a hockey trade, don't be afraid to shake things up. Now, don't just do it to do it. You know, don't trade Pasternak just because. I'm not saying to do that. And he's not even a guy I'm looking at. It's more a guy like Olmark or even a Taylor Hall, right? Like, make a move that could potentially help you in the playoffs. Again, easier said than done. But don't be afraid to kind of take that leap. Um, and you know, again, like it was a smaller scale hockey trade, but Hala for Zaka, like that's a good example of that one worked out, um, on a bigger scale, you know, is it Olmark for a top six center? Is it Olmark for a first round pick? Is it, um, you know, Taylor Hall for, I mean, you're gonna have to dump salary, but so again, like it's trying to find a hockey trade. Don't be afraid to find a hockey trade that, that helps you in the playoffs because, this is indisputable. Matthew Kachuk is a better playoff performer than Jonathan Huberto is. And he's been more impactful in series than, than Huberto has. And Huberto is an outstanding player. But Kachuk's play style is that of a wrecking ball and annoying. And he can freaking produce. And if you could find a guy, an upgrade in the lineup over someone good, maybe it is Tyler Bertuzzi on the cap instead of Taylor Hall. Maybe it's something like that. But don't be afraid to make that kind of move. And we'll get into potential moves like true trades later in the offseason and how you can make that work with the cap. But and again, Florida was cap constrained the whole season. Florida would have nights where they didn't even have a full lineup. Um, so, again, I mean, that's really the only uh, lesson, you know, I think for your lineup. I mean, again, this is why I don't put this on the, the front office at all. Like they put the best team together. I mean, Cam Neely even said there were players in exit interviews who said, you know, who were, you know, very upset because they realized how big of an opportunity they blew. And, you know, that's that. So it's, again, the playoffs are a crapshoot. All you can do is put yourself in the best position to succeed. And the Bruins did, and it didn't even get them past the first round. So um, crazy stuff, crazy stuff, Connor. Uh, Connor. What can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Globe? Yeah, we're going to be covered uh, throughout this offseason. Um, we're even through these, I think, probably quiet next couple of weeks. We're not going to see a lot of probably 
set developments. We'll uh, still look at roster upheaval, next steps, guys who are going to return, guys who won't. Um, again, we'll have you covered every step of the way over there at boston.com. Uh, so uh, please follow us over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah.